We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. podcast on this SEC Extra. I talk LSU and other topics with Matt Moscona of ESPN Louisiana, ESPN Baton Rouge. He joins to talk about the Tigers coming into the 2023 season, talk about the SEC West, journalism, other things. I think you'll enjoy it. As always, Matt's a uh, great guest. We'll get to him in just a few minutes. But first, I want to tell you that my coverage from Nashville is brought to you by Hillco Insurance. Do you hate losing games? Do you hate losing players? Do you hate paying for your insurance? If you said yes to those questions, Davey Ferris can help. Davey has partnered with the Grove Collective and will be donating 20% of all commissions and 10% of all renewals on both personal and commercial insurance policies. Davey and Hillco Insurance are sponsoring rebelgrove.com's and MPW Digital's coverage of SEC Media Days from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Davey can service customers in all 50 states, and he's dedicated to making sure Ole Miss Athletics succeeds in this era of college sports. So contact Davey Ferris at 214-715-7247 or via email at dferris, that's D-F-A-R-R-I-S, at hillcoinsurance.com. Now here's Matt Moscona from Nashville. Matt Moscona of ESPN Baton Rouge. He's syndicated all over the state of Louisiana, a friend of our uh, show over the years. Matt, uh, good to talk to you. Neil, it's great to see you as always. One of my favorite things about coming to Media Days is uh, getting to see a lot of colleagues that you know, we mostly only talk on the phone or text, so it's always always fun to come here. So LSU went Monday. We'll talk about some other things too, but I'm, I've been super high on LSU for a couple of months to the point where I'm almost it almost scares me a little bit because I did this last year with Texas A&M a little bit and it got burned. <laughs> Uh, after yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm completely out on A&M. Jimbo, Jimbo's answers were kind of freaked me out from a prediction standpoint. But I really sensed a lot of confidence with Brian Kelly, kind of a quiet confidence. I loved his answer about Georgia where he goes, hey, that's what we're shooting for. We're not there yet. But if we keep recruiting like this, we're going to get there. And then we play them on the field, et cetera. That's a level of awareness that a lot of times you don't get from coaches. He's been doing this for a while. He's been successful everywhere he's ever been. I took that as a kind of a, hey, if you're going to get LSU, it might be too late, but you better get them now. Yeah. The uh, the confidence thing about Brian Kelly, I think that does surprise people. But when you think about it, 
he's been coaching for parts of four decades, and he's won everywhere he's been. Um, he, he's not a guy that is any way unfamiliar or unaware of his surroundings. And then you go into year one in the SEC when, you know, last year at this event, every conversation about LSU was Brian Kelly dancing with recruits, the family thing, is he a cultural fit? I mean, that's all that ever was. That's a, I, and then you go win 10 games, you beat Alabama, you win the West, you go to Atlanta. All of a sudden you have people's attention. So I think not only does that make him more confident in his approach, his process, the culture that he's building, and actually did really quickly. We can talk about that, but um, I think it made everybody else recognize and put the rest of the league on alert, like, oh, this is going to be LSU again. You know, the, the, the crash and burn at the end of Ogeron wasn't something that was going to linger like we see with a lot of programs. I mean, Tennessee's going through, it's gone through a, a two-decade period where they were never able to get it back on track, and Brian Kelly, you know, revived this thing very quickly. Tell me about culture with them. Kiffin at Ole Miss talks about culture all the time. He was worried about it last year. Mm-hmm. And at 7-0, and didn't didn't really look like it was a problem. And then as soon as they lost a game at LSU, they really never were the same team again. I mean, yeah. they, they played well against Alabama, but that's they went 1-5 down the stretch. That was a cultural thing in part. What has Brian Kelly done from a culture-building standpoint at LSU? There were things he talked about when he got hired that now you can look back and say, okay, well, that made sense. For example, when he got hired, he took over a program from Ed Ogeron where Ed became very lax in the sense that if you had a veteran team, you you could treat it more like a professional organization. You didn't have to stay on them when they were going to sleep, when they were eating, what they were eating, all that sort of stuff. Brian Kelly came in and immediately had every player filling out these accountability cards where like every day they had to check like what they ate, what time they went to sleep, what self, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it almost felt like, you know, when you're a kid in school and when you're in, in, in kindergarten and you're going to lunch, you have to stay in single file and everybody puts your finger over your mouth. Ed had gotten to the point like where it's, you know, you're in high school, that's the lunch period, just go eat, right? Yeah. That's what that's what the program was. Brian Kelly was like, no, we're going to stand single file and put our finger over our mouth and walk in line. But he had to get guys to buy into that. And if you remember, this became a big deal. When Brian Kelly was hired, he was asked about Kayshawn Booty, who was the best player on LSU's team after the 21 season. And you know, they were first-round draft pick, projection, and all that sort of stuff. And he said, well, I know his name, is basically what he said. And that they had to get him on board with a lot of that stuff. And throughout the season, they did. And I think what Brian did very well was getting the guys that were here, here and, you know, on, on, his, on his roster, the guys he brought in as well through the portal, and there were a lot of them. He got guys that were going to buy into that. And because he had buy-in on that approach, when the results started to come on the field, it became just infinitely more believable. Guys could then buy in even further. And so it was, it was very smart, and maybe kind of the blessing in disguise there was the fact that he inherited half a roster. You remember, Neil, like when LSU played that bowl game against Kansas State, they had like 39 scholarship players available. So, yeah, I mean, he had half a roster. And, all, and the guys he brought in were veteran guys, most of them from Louisiana who did not have an LSU offer coming out of high school, but guys that went and played and cut their teeth a lot of them in the SEC, and they brought them back to Louisiana to finish their career. 
So I think it's a long way of answering your question, but it was very intentional when he got here how he wanted to craft his roster and the habits he wanted his guys to to implement. But he got guys that were willing to do it, and I think that's why they were able to be successful so quickly. This era of NIL, every, for decades, people like you and me talked about cheating and who did what under the table and who <laughs> paid players what. And obviously LSU had the deal with the hospital that, yeah. and all that stuff that just came out. But now that we're in this new professional, I just call it pay-for-play. I mean, NIL, the whole – they're not getting paid for name, image, and likeness. They're getting paid to play football. LSU obviously has a lot of money in NIL pay for play they they they've built an incredible women's basketball roster they just built a baseball roster that that won a title in terms of the football and the the buy-in from fans and the investment and all that stuff is this an absolute monster that's being built down there in terms of their ability to compete with hey if, if it comes down to highest bidder you've got a shot to get anybody you want so I think it's interesting because that's a giant misconception about LSU's NIL structure. Okay. Um, because I think you see Olivia Dunn, you see Angel Reese, you see some very high-profile athletes that are at or near the top of the NIL valuations and all that stuff. But, you know, Angel Reese, when she came from Maryland, it wasn't like she got you know, a giant NIL deal to come in. Her popularity exploded literally overnight when she did the that you can't see me gesture and they won the national championship. Olivia Dunn's um, her, her sort of social media empire following was built before NIL went live. Um, I think I, I know LSU was very far behind getting organized with NIL, and the fundraising has not been for the collective has not been what what they would like it to be, candidly. Um, I think the thing that LSU has going for it is, especially when you talk about some Louisiana guys, I mean, you, I mean, look, you've lived in the state, you know this. There are people in that state, young people, who would cut off their arm to play at LSU. Will Campbell is a great example of that. Five-star, left tackle, started as a freshman, true freshman left tackle. Will Campbell was never going anywhere else. He, he could have gone. He could have left after his freshman year for a better NIL opportunity. He's not leaving LSU. That's not going to be everybody. But there's enough of them in the state that LSU will, will keep its fair share. But it is interesting because the perception of LSU is that they do have deep pockets and these loaded coffers, and it's just not the reality. They're, they're kind of doing that a little bit with smoke and mirrors. That's fascinating because I would have thought from the outside kind of looking in that, yeah. hey, they've just got bukus of cash that can do whatever they want. It's why I'm really fascinated next year when Texas and Oklahoma join. Texas does have a ton of money at, at its resources. I mean, at its at resources at its fingertips, although they've yet to make the big jump as a program. Oklahoma seems like it would be a sleeping giant in, in terms of that, but I don't know what the buy-in there is either when, as those teams get into the league. Just one, wait, one more thing, though. Real quick, sorry. No. Um, I don't want it to come across as that I'm saying LSU is not participating in NIL. Because I, I, I know some people can hear that and say, well, he's just saying that LSU isn't buying players, but everybody else. No, no, no. They have money. It's ju- the, the pockets are not as deep as the perception is, but they would desperately like it to be. I mean, that is a big effort organizing the collective. Um, I mean, the LSU really only launched its true collective Bayou traditions within the last six months. So 
they're they're behind is I think a better way to say it. Not, they're not dismissive of NIL. They very much want to be able to fundraise better. They're just behind. So on the field, I was watching a couple of Ole Miss's practices where Walker Howard was out there making big time throws and really looking the part of an SEC quarterback. And I thought this guy was. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Third at LSU. That, that tells you something about their position. Uh, Jaden Daniels talked yesterday, Monday, about the adjustment that he's made in an offseason, getting ready for another season of the SEC, the things that he learned about the grind of the SEC that maybe you don't get in the Pac-12, no disrespect to what's left of the Pac-12, but what, whatever. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer's pushing him. Uh, Brian Kelly talked yesterday about Garrett Nussmeyer getting better and better day after day. I know that's just one position, but how much of that kind of depth is on this LSU roster across the board? Because obviously the, the difference between nine wins and 12 wins usually comes down to a little bit of luck and a lot of depth. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a good point, especially because you look at last year. Um, I'll give you an example on the defensive line. So Mason Smith, who's LSU's best – Neil, not only was he not their best defensive player, lineman, he was the best player on the team in fall camp last year. Like, people say that and they kind of open their eyes a little bit, but – if you ask anybody, any coach, anybody on that staff, going into last season, Mason Smith was the best player on the team. Better than Kayshawn Booty, he was going to be – he was primed for a great year, and he got hurt on the first defensive series, missed the year. When Mason Smith got hurt, LSU rotated three defensive tackles all year. Three. They had three people that played interior defensive line. Um, it, one of them, Makai Wingo, who was here on Monday, never came off the field. It was stunning to see. Yeah. Um, what they did this offseason was – replenish through the portal. They brought in three power five defensive tackle transfers. Linebackers a spot where they went and got Omar Spates, who is an all Pac twelve linebacker at Oregon State. He's a fifth year guy. So about a guy that's twenty two, twenty three years old has played, you know, four full seasons of college ball. Um, you know, the offensive line, they returned six of their top seven. They bring in a transfer from Maryland named Mason Lunsford who's played in forty career games. So yes, they have built a lot of depth very quickly, and the portal allowed them to do that. You know, Brian Kelly kind of made some headlines with an interview a couple of weeks ago where he said, really, year three is when they should be able to compete for a championship, and I just I disagree with him. I think historically that would be correct. You would need three full recruiting classes, but the portal has just allowed everything to accelerate. It allowed Brian Kelly to have a 10-win season year one uh, when he inherited the mess he did. So the if there's a question mark spot, I would tell you, it's, it's at cornerback, which is weird because of the whole DBU thing, right? I mean, it's all LSU's kind of been known for for 20 years. But 
they brought in four cornerback transfers. I think all the guys they brought in are more talented, star rating, NFL ceiling, all that stuff. More talented than the guys they had last year. They just haven't played together. So how does that position work out will be interesting. But you're, I mean, quarterback, offensive line, they got six running backs, brought in running back from Notre Dame, Logan Diggs, who Brian Kelly had up there. I mean, he 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 patched where he needed to patch with veteran guys from the portal. And um, there really aren't any excuses on this team. The schedule's in your favor. You're deep, you're talented, you're veteran, you're experienced, all that stuff. Um, this is a team that should be playing nationally relevant games in November. I'm picking LSU to win the West. I know you're picking LSU to win the West. Are we – this sounds crazy. Are we sleeping on Alabama a little bit? Are we, are we putting too much stock into Alabama losing Bryce Young and maybe – Maybe not quite having the star power that some of Saban's teams there have had over the last decade and a half and what has been an incredible run. Are we sleeping on Alabama? Of course we are. Uh, (laughs) Neil, you and I have come to this for a long time. And the last time I picked anyone other than Alabama to win the West was 2012. Remember LSU and Bama played for the national championship in 11. Bama, of course, won that game. And LSU returned everybody from that team. And it was supposed to be like a um, the, the, sort of the, the get-back tour. Um, and I've given Alabama the benefit of the doubt every year since then, including 2019. None, none of us thought 2019 LSU was going to be what 2019 LSU ended up being. Um, it, and it's not just that Bama lost Bryce Young or lost an assistant coach or two, because they do that all the time. It's that they lost Bryce Young and guys like Will Anderson and both coordinators after a year where they didn't look like Alabama. I think there are two um, uh, there are two realities that are just fundamentally opposed. Alabama, you could say Alabama was a field goal at the gun on the road at Tennessee and a two-point conversion in overtime on the road to Baton Rouge away from being 12-0. And that is a fact. That's a fact. They're also a pass into the end zone against Ole Miss at the gun from losing, a pass into the end zone against A&M from losing, and uh, a Bryce Young-Houdini act against Texas where he avoided that corner blitz from being 7-5. and five. So, now I'm not saying Bama was going to go 7-5. and five. I'm just saying they played a lot of close games. And because they had Bryce Young and that stability, they won the majority of them. You lose Bryce Young, and you do not have a capable option behind him, and you lose both coordinators, and you have to play the SEC West. I'm, I'm just not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing dirt on them. Like I don't have my shovel like burying <laughs> Nick Saban, right? I mean, that would be stupid. But I'm just saying, for the first time in a decade, I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt, right? I, I just, I need, I need you to prove to me that you're still what you've been. Totally off topic. Last thing. Industry question. I've watched what you've done in Baton Rouge in a, let's, let's face it, a media industry that's changing, maybe dying a little. It's very, it's, you talked about you eat what you kill. It's, it's harder to kill these days. Um, you've done it. You do a lot of YouTube stuff. You've built the, the you do that post-game show that everybody kind of laughs about yet it's super <laughs> successful and people will make fun of it I'm like you watched an hour of it you know what I mean and, and and these two guys just sitting there drinking and cussing and having fun I'm like you watched it for more than an hour that means it worked right it's kind of like when you were a column when I was a columnist if I wrote a column that people hated if you hated it that much yeah. I did my job yeah. right 
how have you how have you done this where you've kind of built an empire and, and, and hey talk radio you know terrestrial radio is not as popular as it was 10 15 years ago people have podcasts they have satellite radio how have you how have you pulled it off well and i, I think this is a if i if you know sometimes we'll go speak to classes aspiring people that do what we do and i'll always say that number one it's it, there's a catch-22 it's the best time ever to be in media because the barrier to entry is zero. If you have a phone, if you have the internet, you have distribution worldwide, immediately, right? So anybody, anywhere, can, can get in. You, you don't have to wait for a, a newspaper to hire you or a radio station to decide you're good enough to take a chance on or something like that. Um, the, the, the catch-22 is that because it's never been easier to get into media, there's also never been more competition because everybody has a blog, a website, a podcast, or whatever. Um, and ultimately, what I believe is that the, it, it, we live in a true meritocracy now where you don't read the column just because it's the column in the paper that you subscribe to. You go find whatever content you want, and the best people are going to win because it's ultimately the audience that gets to the side. So my perspective is always, I just have to be everywhere that the audience is. So yes, I have a radio show, but... My radio show isn't just terrestrial radio. It's streamed live audio. It's streamed live video on YouTube. We post-produce it in the podcast form, uh, short form and long form. Uh, we take our video and we post-produce it in the short form vertical on TikTok and Instagram and Reels and Facebook and Twitter. I mean, you, you just, you have to be willing, I believe, you have to be willing to give your audience whatever they want whenever they're ready to consume it in whatever format they want to consume it. And if you do that, you can win. And it's... It ain't like we're we're building the railroad, Neil. I mean, we're like we're we're talking about sports. It's a pretty it's a pretty good gig. But you do what I've long said you have to do. There's a lot of people that can talk about sports and they can really talk about sports. But LSU only plays if everything goes great, right? If everything goes just awesome, they're going to play 15 games this year. They're only guaranteed to play 12. Yeah. Might just play 13 or 14. Well, that's 14, 15 days. There's 365 days in the year. I mean, there's only so you 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 can't. You can't preview the 24 season a hundred times and pull it off. I mean, you, you've got to be able to talk about other things. That's where I think you've succeeded is you can talk about bourbon or you talk about whatever. Chase and I talked about coffee for 30 <laughs> minutes this morning. It wasn't even planned, right? I mean, I had this kind of religious experience at a place in Nashville. that was a pour-over coffee thing. And it was just amazing. And I was watching it, and it was this really soothing experience. And <laughs> we started talking about it. And, and you know, it, it, next thing you know, we spent a half hour on it. And there are going to be some people that are listening or talk about football. And then there's other people listening to it that's like, these sound like just a couple of guys having a conversation, yeah. you know. And I think that's part of the key. And I think that's what you've been able to pull off with T-Bob and others is you let people get to know you. Yeah. You know, people knew about your son when he was – frankly battling for his life you know and today he's what nine years old I mean you know I mean that's they you let people in I think that's part of the key I think you definitely I I, look man I love talk radio and by extension not just radio how we're talking about but because I've always said it's the most intimate medium it's your the 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 perception I've always had is that I is that I'm having a one-on-one conversation with someone in their car and people tell me all the time man I feel like I know you like you do know me I mean, I'm, I'm using my real name. I'm telling you about my family. I do videos and shows in my home. Like, you're welcoming people into your life. But I, I, I just think that that's really cool. I mean, tr- honest to goodness, true story. Last night, had dinner, and then was going to go walk down Broadway with, our, with a, a, a mutual friend of ours. And um, 
I'm walking down the street and a guy just stops and goes, Scone? I was like, hey. And it's a guy who has a podcast and he had just DM'd me months ago um, and asked if I'd come on a show. So I did. And like just randomly, he works in Nashville as a bartender. He was getting off, just happened to pass me on the street. And so anyway, just ended up hanging out with that guy. We're like, hey, we're going to go have some beers. Come hang out with us. And he did. So it's like, that's the kind of thing that's, I think, very genuine and real where, and we're all just, yes, we're media. We're also fans. We love college football. We love sports. And you, you do create a connection with people in your audience. When you, when you do that, I think it's genuine and people, people can tell when it's genuine. And, um, I, I mean, I, I love that part of it. Like, I don't, I tell people all the time, like if I'm out to dinner with my family or it not, by the way, I don't mean to sound like this is a big deal, but like in our very small footprint of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for what it is, there are people who listen to the show and think it's cool that if they see me, I'm like, please come up and tell me hello. I think that's awesome. I'd love to meet you just as much as you think it's cool that, you know, that I see you or you see me. So, um, I don't know. I love, I love that part of the job. As always, man, great catching up with you. Happy birthday to Drew. Appreciate the time. Thanks, man. My pleasure. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.